Hi, and welcome to the Family Business Podcast. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and in each episode, I will discuss and explore the key challenges facing family businesses today. As a family business advisor, I'm passionate about helping families to overcome the complex and unique challenges that come from being in business together. So if what I cover in the show resonates with you, I'm here to help, and I would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me at fanbizpodcast.com forward slash work with Russ. You can also sign up to the newsletter there and receive the latest blogs, podcasts and videos directly in your inbox. I would like to thank my friends at the Institute for Family Business for their continuing support for what I'm doing with this show. The IFB is a unique community of family businesses with common challenges, interests, values and goals. To find out more about their work, visit ifb.org.uk. Let's get on with the show. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode. I hope you are all well here in the UK. We're finally enjoying some sunshine which always makes things a little bit better. Um, this week's show we are going to be talking to a chap called Dominic Graham who works for a private equity house and I wanted to cover the topic of private equity for one or two reasons really. Firstly um, it is an option for potential investment and, and partnership as Don will explain in the interview and a potential avenue for helping you as a family business to grow and expand into uh, new areas uh, as maybe part of your overall planning um, but also there there seems to be a lot of misconception um, it might just be me thinking that but I don't think so um, around what private equity is what it means for you as a business owning family how that might um, rub up against each other and I, I thought it'd be worth talking to somebody who has some experience from a family business perspective um, but also works in that space with a private equity house so the interview with Dom focuses on those areas and I hope you find them useful just a reminder if you are finding the shows helpful if you're finding them enjoyable and want to show some support there is a way you can do so now which is heading over to fanbizpodcast.com forward slash support and there's various different ways to do that. Also a reminder to sign up to the newsletter. So if you head over to fanbizpodcast.com on the vast majority of the pages, there is a uh, box to sign up to the newsletter. And once you've signed up, I do send a confirmation email, uh, which you need to click OK on to join the list. So just check your junk folders uh, in case the confirmation email has crept in there. I've had a few people uh, contact me saying they've tried to join the, the newsletter list but found the email in their junk folder. So just check that um, and you'll get useful insights, blog posts, videos, uh, obviously podcasts delivered to your inbox every month. And so you can sign up via the website. Right, let's pass over to the interview with Dom. Uh, as I say, I hope you find it useful and it perhaps answers some questions uh, around the perception of private equity and the role it can play with you and your family business and uh, enjoy the chat. I'm joined today by Dominic Graham, who is an investment director at Waterland Private Equity. And I'll get Dom to introduce himself fully in a moment. But what we are going to be talking about is 
Firstly, what is private equity and what role can it play in helping you as a family business? Some of the things that uh, Dom has seen from his own experience um, in this space and really busting some of the myths that might be around um, private equity and the uh, preconceived ideas you may have around what that involves. So, um, Dom, great to have you on the show and thanks for joining us. Thanks. Great to be here. And let's kick off with an introduction. Tell the audience um, who you are, how you got to be doing what you're doing today. As for the introduction, um, Dominic Graham. So I'm currently an investment director at Waterland Private Equity. Um, Waterland's a business that specialises in supporting uh, entrepreneurs, uh, founders and family-owned businesses um, accelerate their growth, um, either through organic initiatives or through M&A. Um, but from a personal perspective, I mean, I've got a bit of a background uh, in family business myself, um, very much grew up in a family environment. My, my granddad and then my dad uh, owned two separate heavy engineering companies. Um, and I spent most of my summer holidays uh, with my mum in the office, uh, annoying her, I suspect, um, <laughs> if not playing in the car park. <laughs> um, so I've, I've kind of lived and breathed that environment for a long period of time. Um, but on the back of that, I think my parents didn't go to university. So they very much pushed me down the education route. And I've therefore followed a bit more of a traditional path, as it were, to get into private equity to where I am today. Um, so that was going to university, um, studying economics, um, spending a bit of time um, working for a, a family-owned IT business um, before taking on my accountancy qualification, um, where I worked for Deloitte, one of the big four. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I moved across to private equity. So worked for a larger North American business for four years, and then was one of the founding members of the Waterland team in the UK. Fantastic. And we'll get into some of the detail of how um, private equity works, the current state of the market and things like that. But I think what would be a good idea is to hear sort of firsthand from you what what private equity is, because I know there's different types, there's different um, types of houses, different types of funds, different approaches, different ways of looking at it. But just for those who might have heard the term private equity but not be really fully aware of um, what it is and how it operates, perhaps give us a little bit of background on that side. Yeah, of course, more than happy to. And forgive me, I'll, I'll try and do this in the simplest way possible. Um, but the industry is, is is so large, there's many different routes we can go down. But I, I think at its most basic level, um, the objective of private equity fund is to make a financial return. Um, this is really done by generating... Uh, shareholder value, which in effect means that private equity companies support businesses um, to accelerate the growth um, and therefore generate a capital return on the sale of that investment over time. So if we just perhaps start by setting out the scene of private equity, um, I've pulled some stats off the BBCA website, which is the industry association, and around 4,300 companies are backed by private equity in the UK. Um, which is quite a significant number, and, and that employs around a million people. So private equity is is quite a significant contributor to the UK economy, but I suspect an industry that a lot of people have, have never really heard of. So if I maybe just talk you through the private equity life cycle, because that might just bring it to life a little bit. Perfect. Yeah, that'd be great. So in, in its simplest terms, um, we provide uh, finance or investment to a company Um, to support its growth or to fund a change in ownership. And 
in return for that, we take an equity stake. So we take equity ownership of the business alongside uh, the management team or the owners if they're continuing. However, what's different is instead of going to the, the public stock market and, and selling shares to raise capital, um, a PE firm will raise funds from institutional investors such as pension funds or insurance companies, uh, endowments, um, or high net worth individuals and families. And, and with that, we then effectively go to market and we try and source uh, partnerships, as we call them, or investments, as wider private equity call them. And what that means is we spend time uh, either directly contacting companies or indirectly via uh, intermediaries such as um, M&A advisors, uh, investment banks or accountancy firms or legal firms or recruitment consultants. And then once we've identified a business and we, we've got to know one another, um, we'll then have a discussion around making an investment in that company. And we'll then use the funds that we've raised from those institutional investors, supported by some debt, which we typically raise from banks or, or credit funds, which are effectively the debt version of a private equity fund. And we'll use that to purchase um, the shares of the business. And as part of that transaction, we'll typically ask um, owners or management teams to reinvest some of those proceeds into the new structure, which means at the end, you then have a structure which is part owned by the management team and part owned by private equity. Uh-huh. Now, once we, we have made that partnership or that investment with the company, we then work with the management team or the other shareholder of the business over a time period which can be anything from from three to 10 years, depending on which strategy you're following, to, to help define a strategy, um, implement that strategy, support the company to build a, a, a management team, uh, because often in family businesses, the, the CEO is often also the HR director and the finance director. Uh-huh. Um, so, so that often needs growth. And, and, and working with the team, we try and ultimately improve the business by generating more revenue, making operational improvement where we can, and in our situation at Waterland, we spend a lot of time acquiring other companies as well. And then once we feel that we've, we've generated um, enough growth in the business, we'll then look to support the management team to bring that company back to market. And we, the private equity company, will exit. Uh-huh. Now, I think an important point to add there is that when the private equity house exits, it, it doesn't mean that the business is necessarily being sold in full. And we can come back to that later. Yeah, um, I think that'd be a good good point to come back to. And again, this uh, obviously the title of this podcast is the Family Business Podcast, and um, typically it's a little bit of a bugbear of mine. But uh, quite often, the success of a family business is judged externally by the ability to pass it from one generation to another. Um, not necessarily whether that's the best thing for everybody involved or not. That doesn't seem to matter. It's more about the the point of passing it from one generation to the other, which is is why yeah. it's a bugbear of mine. Um, private equity, presumably, then, is an option that allows family businesses to release some equity from their own business. But how do you then balance that around the uh, sort of the succession or the generational success of the family business? Can private equity and family business go hand in hand? And what are the reasons? family businesses would consider um, private equity? 
I think there's a lot of questions in there, Russ. So perhaps I'll I'll try and address them one by one. I, I think that the first question is really why would a family business take on private equity in the first instance? I think what we see most commonly, but not always, um, is that most family businesses partner with private equity to de-risk their personal financial situation. Um, most private equity transactions will require a reinvestment back into the company. So to put it in simple numbers, if we buy a company for 100 and there's no debt in that company, then the owners of that business will receive 100. Now, what we might say to them is, well, why don't you take 50 off the table, but actually invest 50 of that back in with us, and then we'll become shareholders in the new entity. And what that means is that the the family business and and the family themselves can continue to retain a meaningful equity ownership in the new company and continue to run the business with the support from the private equity partner. So under private equity ownership, broadly what we're saying is we'll support the family to accelerate growth and do more than they possibly would able to have been done if they were to go it alone. So what it means practically is that the family then get two bites at the cherry, or if they then sell them to a private equity house again, three bites, and again, four bites. So a transaction with private equity isn't the end. I think in some respects, it's really just the beginning. Yeah, and I think that that's an, um, a good point to make as well, because there can be some misconceptions around private equity. And I've worked for a business that was bought by private equity and it was a business that was then invested in and improved and grew as a result. So I've experienced it firsthand from that perspective. But there can often be this misconception that private equity comes in, strips everything out, sells all the assets, gets it to a a point within 18 months to then sell on to to somebody else. And whilst that may be the case in a very small set of circumstances i think it's important to perhaps talk a little bit more about the kind of support that can be offered by private equity and the expertise that you can bring in that could be as you say the stepping stone to to growing the business beyond where it is now Uh, absolutely Uh, so perhaps if i may just start with kind of well what are some of those preconceptions that that we often battle with And I think talking from personal experience, we spend a lot of our time reaching out and having conversations with entrepreneurs and and family-owned businesses. And we get a lot of direct challenge where people say, well, I've heard only bad things about private equity. But when you explore that, I think what we often find is that those misconceptions have been running for a very long period of time. I think if we look back... um, to to kind of the 1960s and 1970s. I mean, there was this concept of of corporate raiders where private equity houses um, bought out companies with undervalued assets. They bought into those businesses, sold the assets, then closed the business down to make a gain. Now, clearly, um, that's not great for unsecured creditors. It's not great for employees. And on the back of that, regulation was brought in to, to try and restrict people's ability to do that. Now, I think if you roll forwards, um, there are, I I think, largely good actors in the private equity industry, um, but certain types of private equity have negative connotations. And I think we've seen some high profile cases of that. To to talk about this next point, it, it might make sense for me just to quickly explain what are the different types of private equity, because I think by doing that, it will 
help us understand where some of the challenge sits and, mm-hmm. and importantly kind of what a good job private equity sometimes does yeah perfect so i mean broadly um the private equity market mirrors the company life cycle so if you if you choose to start up a business um you'll typically do that with friends and family or angel investment i think the best way to think about that is dragon's den mm-hmm. you're kind of pre or just post revenue and you take a small amount of money for a small equity stake in the business. Now, as the business grows, you might then be eligible to, to go out and raise venture capital money, which is really just an institutionalized version of that. But again, you're investing to take typically minority positions and you're typically investing um, in businesses that are, that are pre or, or just post revenue. Now, the part of the market where I would say most of the activity takes place in in the UK specifically is around um, growth or development capital, which is typically a capital injection to drive growth of a business, but without driving a change in ownership. So that would typically be a minority type investment. And and that would be relevant for for businesses that have been around for a longer period of time. Um, Or there's the the typical private equity um, management buyout. And that's really for shareholders that want to sell part or all of their business um, and continue running it. And and that's really where we come in. And each of those four points that I've talked about there are all about growth. So in those situations, you will see investment in the company, in the people to fundamentally drive revenue and profit growth. And as part of that, employment will be generated. So if I look at most of our portfolio today, and compare when we made the initial investment to when we exit, we typically grow employment significantly. Uh-huh. Now, I think the negative connotations perhaps sit around um, turnaround or distress private equity. So these are private equity houses that look at, at special situations and they will step in to save um, businesses which are fundamentally bad, um, but potentially have challenges uh, around their financing structure. And in these instances, the private equity community play quite an important role because without that support, those businesses would likely uh, go under and employment would be lost. Now, I think where the negative connotation comes there is that when a company buys a business for a pound um, and takes on its debt burden, if that doesn't work and the business still goes into administration, then they're viewed as corporate raiders, but actually they are fulfilling quite an important role in the marketplace to prevent businesses from failing. So I think that's one of the key misconceptions. Yeah. And then I think the second point where there's probably been a few more um, preconceptions recently is around the, the concept of a sale and leaseback. And uh, I think we saw that quite clearly um, with some of the large um, retail administrations and accusations that shareholders have been um, draining the balance sheets of cash. Um, now, clearly, those are private shareholders. In private equity, there might be a conversation with a company that instead of having um, cash wrapped up in um, an asset, be that uh, a building or plant, you could potentially sell that asset and lease it back, which frees up the cash to allow you to invest that to go and do something else, which fundamentally supports growth. Perfect. And I think that will um, put to bed a lot of the um, misconceptions that, that are out there. I mean, you tend to really only hear about the negatives. That's the stuff that makes the press, isn't it? That's what makes people read the the stories. But I think, as you said, it's such a large 
um, industry and it does so much um, good work. It's, it's perhaps we focus more on that now in terms of, of what we discuss. And you mentioned the word partnership as what it is that you're looking for. And it may be that family businesses haven't considered private equity as a partnership because perhaps some of those misconceptions. But when you're looking for businesses to invest in or when a family business might be looking at gaining some investment and gaining a strategic partner to help them take that business to the next level. What's the sort of starting point for you in terms of, you know, what are you looking for? What, what, looks good from a, a governance perspective, a corporate governance and, and family governance perspective from your perspective. And after that, we'll come back to what the, what family businesses should be asking you guys as well. But let, let's start with what you look for when you're looking at creating these partnerships. It's a great question. And I think if I, if I answer this question with I suppose a waterland mindset because a key point to flag is that there are so many different strategies operating in private equity. It's very hard to talk in general terms to answer this question. Yeah. So from our perspective, um, we, we firstly spend time thinking about the market. So we try and identify markets that we think are going to be subject to uh, positive tailwinds over the course of the next 10 to 15 years. And by doing that, we're effectively taking away um, one of the, the downside risks of investing in a business. Because if that business is going to grow at 5 to 10% a year, on the basis that you're at least maintaining your market share, then your business should technically continue to grow at 5 to 10% a year. Uh-huh. Now, we then spend time thinking about uh, the businesses specifically. And for us, the management team are clearly the most important part of any story. Um, you talked about the word partnership, but what we do is we, we partner not just with businesses, but we partner with people. Uh-huh. So when we make an investment, we are investing behind a management team to drive a strategy that we will discuss and agree as part of that transaction. Now, there are other types of investment criteria that we think about. So for us specifically, and this isn't the whole market, we'll be thinking about minimum size. So we typically wouldn't look at investing in a business that was less than five million pounds of EBITDA. Um, We typically look at businesses that are generating more than 10% of EBITDA margin, because I think that indicates um, a a greater level of of operational resilience. But it then also speaks to cash flow generation, which can be used to um, support debt, um, which can be used to structure the transactions. Uh But fundamentally, we're looking for a business um, that within its marketplace has a good management team, a strong reputation, a track record of historical growth. If they've bought other business in the past, fantastic. If not, we can support them to, to bring that capability. Uh-huh. And a management team that have a, a clear plan to drive further growth in the future. So at a basic level, that's what we look for. But it ultimately comes down to personal fit. Um, I think a key point to flag here is that it's not just the family business that are, are making the decision to, to partner. Actually, we ourselves as private equity uh-huh. investors are doing that. So we're signing up our careers for five to seven years to work alongside the family business to, to help them improve things as well. Yeah. Uh, and I think that is a really key point because it is 
a partnership in that sense then, isn't it? It's not just the the family getting an injection of cash in exchange for an equity and then, you know, you come uh, give them a call in seven years' time and say, right, well, how's it gone, guys? Um, it is very much... Uh, you sit alongside them, you bring expertise and knowledge um, from your own work and, and the, the work in the rest of the market. And I think that's a really important element that families might want to focus on when they're talking to you is what can you bring to the party? Yes, there's the, the capital element and there's the um, potential for growth, but what level of um, expertise can you bring to our particular um, circumstance mm. so sector industry whatever, whatever it is that, that they might be operating in in your view and it might be a, a bit biased in, in terms of asking you what people should look for when they're speaking to to somebody around private equity investment but what are the typically the questions that you get from in this case family businesses because it's a family business podcast um, as to what they're looking for from you yeah i i mean that's that's a really good question and I mean, you made a really good point before, um, and it actually made me think of, of an analogy that one of my colleagues uses quite often to explain the role of private equity and 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 really to be clear on what private equity is and what what it isn't. And my colleague Hans often says that um, partnering private equity is like going on a road trip. Um, if you think about the the, the management team. Um, they're the drivers of the car. So they sit in the driver's seat. And the role of private equity is, is really to be a passenger on that road trip. But yes, we'll sit in the, in the front seat alongside you. Um, we'll help you read the map. We'll support you with directions. Um, we'll fill you up with fuel. But fundamentally, the car is being driven by the family, by oh. the business, by the management team. That's certainly how we approach life. Now, that isn't the case for all private equity, but I think that's a really good analogy just to summarize the, the relationship dynamic between the two. Yeah. Just very so, quickly before you move on, on sorry, that the um, the analogy thing's making me smile because in the episode, uh, last week's episode of the show, I talk about, I use an analogy of a bus and the importance of having clarity over where you're going as a business, as a family, and what role the business plays in your individual life. And then use the example of two buses. So one bus is where you've got that clarity, you know where you're going, you know how to get there, you know who's best to drive the bus, you can enjoy the journey a lot more. And I think what we're saying here is by partnering with the right private equity investor, they come and sit on the bus and go along that journey with you and help you along the way. And as you say, fuel the bus, I think is a really good way of um, putting it in, into that context. The second um, alternative, which um, I used on the, the bus analogy was uh, the person driving the bus is being told by everybody else on the bus that they're going the wrong way, that they should turn left, they should have turned right. <laughs> we don't actually know where we're going, so we don't know how to get there. Uh, and I'm guessing that second bus, again, from a, from your perspective, wouldn't be something that you would want to fuel because you don't know where you're going to end up with it. Exactly right. Um, but I, th I think the key point is that when you talk about private equity partnering with the family business, that every circumstance is unique. Um, there will be some family businesses that are perfect fits for us and our business, but there's others that just won't be a fit and actually they'll fit far better with a private equity house over here that follow a completely different strategy and have a completely different approach. And, and I think the, the key point to understand is that private equity as a community is not just 
one option or outcome. Um, typically, there are enough options out there that a family business should be able to get a flexible structure or deal that suits them and their long-term objectives. Yeah, uh, I think a, a point just to think about before we come back and, and answer your original question is, uh, we'll, we'll kind of what is the value that private equity actually brings? Because I, I've talked in quite general terms around kind of driving revenue growth. But if I, if I just put this in the context of a couple of companies that I'm involved in, um, I, I sit on the board of a, a medical communications company. Um, I sit on the board of a digital agency business. And both of those companies have about 250 people. But our role there is, is quite consistent. So as part of the initial relationship building um, with the management teams, um, both of whom were 100% owned by the family, um, we spent a lot of time discussing the long-term strategy for the business. So talking about key strategic elements like market dynamics, um, risks and opportunities, um, a buy and build strategy for each of them, other businesses they could go and acquire. Um, but also early talking about exit options and, and exit time horizon, because it's important that we have alignment there. And, and the way that the private equity house then typically interacts on, on kind of a, a monthly basis is we have monthly board meetings, information shared in advance. And from our perspective, we really try and focus on the strategic direction point and less on the, the financial performance. But then beyond that, um, private equity generally then supports in the, the kind of proactive implementation of the strategy that's been agreed at the start of the investment and will be there to provide constructive challenge to the team, but support as well to ensure that we continue on a strategy that, that is right for, for the business, for the market and for the time that we operate in. Mm. So, so I think um, that that strategy piece is really important, but then you need to think that businesses come across operational problems all the time. So we're often there to help that. And I talked before about helping to build management teams and, and really put succession in place. So it's, it's a wide and varied role. Um, there isn't a cookie cutter approach, but private equity can add value in so many more ways than just giving money. Yeah. Because um, I think money is, is quite freely available if you want to go and look for it. But yeah. I think it's the expertise that you try and think about, isn't it? Just touching on that sort of availability of, of money what's the your view of the private equity market at the moment given we're 15 months into a global pandemic where there's been lots of here in the UK lots of government support in the form of grants or there's been bounce back loans c bills the kind of financial side of it there's been lots of options for companies to to access how's that impacted the your sort of view on the private equity market and what does that mean for you guys going forward? I mean, it, it's been an exceptional 18 months, hasn't it? I, I think for yeah. everyone and <laughs> every company in the UK, whether you're a family business or, or any business. Yeah. Um, and I think from a personal perspective, it's had a huge impact on the way we all live our lives, hasn't it? Oh, definitely. And I mean, look, over, over the course of the last 18 months, a, a lot has happened. I mean, if we go back to 2019, um, I think we came off the back of a, a general election, which I, th I think was a bit of a political instability in the UK. We then obviously had the, the Brexit conversations as well, um, which obviously allowed us to exit in January. Um, and that was before COVID-19 came along, um, which has then forced most businesses to go into lockdown. And, and during that time, we've also seen um, a, a bit of an unstable tax environment as well, which has really played heavily, I think, on, on 
family business and entrepreneurs' minds with changes to entrepreneurs' relief last year and changes to, or potential changes to the CGT uh, regime this year and mm-hmm. potentially still. How has private equity reacted? You need to think about it in two different ways. So private equity has an existing portfolio of investments. So that it, those are a number of companies that we already have investments in. And then we need to think about new capital deployment, which is going out and making new investments. So I would say it's been a, a difficult year for a lot of private equity houses because funds have been impacted by COVID. Um, so the first six months of 2020, we spent really supporting portfolio companies to navigate the crisis. So that was first and foremost, the health and safety of the employees, um, making sure that um, lockdown measures were being followed and people had the support that they need. Um, a, a lot of private equity houses will have then spent a lot of time thinking about near-term liquidity needs to ensure that, that businesses had the cash that they needed to survive that interim period before um, the, the sea bills and, and furlough was put in place. And then um, I think from that point on to support the businesses to come out of COVID and actually try and get back to a sense of normality. But I think that's impacted private equity in different ways because our portfolio, for example, is is quite heavily focused around key themes, um, two of which are aging population and outsourcing digitization. And most of our investments in those spaces have performed exceptionally well. They've actually outperformed during COVID. So we've been okay. So that means we've been able to spend more time going to find new opportunity, which I'll come back to. But think for a second about a private equity house that is a specialist in the consumer space. I mean, their portfolio will have been decimated over the last 18 months. And I think their ability to now go out and deploy more capital is probably limited. So I think what we've seen um, is that actually the market has held up quite well. I think the, the potential tax changes that we've seen have actually driven a higher volume of potential activity. Um, we've seen more activity uh, where our portfolio are buying companies or partnering with companies as opposed to us going out and doing new deals. Um, but we can't lose sight of the fact that there's a huge amount of dry powder in the private equity market globally. Um, you've got large institutional funds chasing yield, diverting more of their funds into private equity. Uh-huh. And as a result, private equity funds are awash with capital at the moment. You mentioned the word opportunity there. And I think a lot of businesses are coming out of, hopefully coming out of the um, sort of lockdown scenarios and the um, COVID uh, pandemic um, with restrictions easing and, and opportunity is therefore something that a lot of entrepreneurial family business owners will be looking at and going, well, what are the opportunities that we have now and how do we best access those? And again, it may be that they haven't necessarily considered partnering with private equity in order to help access those opportunities. And are are family businesses able to approach in a proactive way and say, we've got this opportunity, but we want to partner with somebody to, to do it? Is the communication typically driven from your end or um, is there a way for them to kind of um, access private equity on a, you know, we've got a great idea, but we want the right partners to help drive it forward. Absolutely. So I think we see kind of two primary models operating in in the UK market. You have the, what I call the intermediated market, which is um, businesses being advised by um, an M&A firm, um, an accountancy firm or a lawyer who will make introductions on their behalf 
um, at the extreme end, they'll run heavy competitive auction processes, um, which we often see as a way of, of shareholders maximizing value. Um, but the ability to actually create a really meaningful partnership and relationship in the confines of an auction process is quite difficult. So a lot of private equity houses actually shy away from those situations. So I think private equity generally prefer kind of direct one-on-one -on -one interactions because it, it's a it, it's a slightly lower risk way of actually building relationship um, with a family-owned business or with a management team. And I think by creating that relationship and, and finding alignment um, without the pressure of a, a heavy M&A advisor or an auction means that you're setting yourself up for, for success from the start. But there is no reason why you, you can't go out and directly contact a private equity company. I think the key point to flag there is that before you do that, I think you probably need to get a sense as to what that private equity firm is all about. Um, does it match your, your own kind of style and culture and ambition? Um, and, and I think the way that you do that is by perhaps getting introductions from people in your own network that mm -hmm. are perhaps plugged into the space. Yeah, and I think as well that from just a, a general societal perspective, there seems to be far more focus and awareness around sustainability and ESG. I mentioned before we hit record, I'm, I'm about to start uh, an entire series dedicated to sustainability and ESG. But I think it's also worth pointing out that from your own perspective, that's something that you look at as well from an external perspective when you're looking at businesses is uh, a sustainability and ESG kind of um, focus. So perhaps could you just sort of share a couple of thoughts on uh, your views on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ESG is something that, that we at Wardland have been championing for a, a number of years now. This isn't a, a recent initiative by any means, um, but it's led by our, our CIO, our Chief Investment Officer, which gives you an indication as to how seriously we take it, given the fact that he is responsible for it. Um, we're a signatory of the, the principles for responsible investing. Um, and, and broadly, what that says is that we incorporate ESG issues into our investment analysis and decision-making process. Um, we're active owners and we incorporate ESG into our ownership policies and practices. Um, we promote acceptance and implementation of, of principles in the investment industry more broadly. And we, we seek disclosure of those issues as well. And I think what's most interesting is that on, on the back of, of us signing up to the PRI, we have noticed in the marketplace a real shift actually and that shift is coming more so from the lp base and to be clear the lp base are those uh, pension funds insurance funds that invest into our funds and, and they're asking for more of a focus on esg which puts an onus on us to to be responsible investors so for example um when we make a new investment um, one of the first things we do uh, post that partnership is we'll do a thorough esg review and we'll identify three or four uh, relevant ESG KPIs that we then track on a quarterly basis to demonstrate that we're making improvements in the areas around ESG. So for, for me, I think a lot of funds um, may pay lip service to ESG, um, but I think you should look underneath that at the fundamentals of the actions that people are actually taking uh, to make an assessment as to whether they are um, supportive or not. And I think the... Um 
the key when it comes to things like sustainability and ESG is firstly, it's the right thing to be doing. Like you say, not, not paying lip service to it because it's in inverted commas on trend or something that's in the, the um, sort of public eye a bit more now than, than perhaps it has been. But also, again, working with people who have that experience of something that's been part and parcel of how they operate for a number of years rather than, well, we don't know what we're doing either it's it's kind of it tapping into that expertise as part of that partnership can help um, family businesses drive their own sustainability agendas around what actions can we take how do we grow this business but also do it in a sustainable and responsible way and you can bring that experience to um, that relationship as well absolutely and, and we're also seeing quite quite a high demand that also speaks to value here so if i give you an example of one of the businesses that we have in our portfolio in the uk um, a business called textile recycling international so this is a business um, that works in the circular economy Um, so it collects um, textiles um, garments from a number of different sources and, and and processes those and then resells those and it's a a significant value chain in the UK that really supports the, the reuse of those materials. Now, when we think about kind of where we're at with that particular business, what we're seeing is a very strong demand for businesses that are involved in that circular economy. And, and that can only speak to value over time. We have spoken about um, why family businesses should consider private equity if um, they're looking at their options and, and their alternatives. Um, there again, perhaps could be some reticence and uncertainty around what sort of state, for want of a better word, the business needs to be in in order to um, kind of attract that revenue. And one of the um, areas can be informality in family businesses around you know, job descriptions, roles and responsibilities. And, and some of those can often be lacking because all eyes have been on, let's grow the business and, and get it going. Um, again, can you sort of speak to, in your experience, as to the, the relevance of the presence of, say, governance or the structural side from the, from the business perspective as to how that impacts your discussions with them and buying into them as a team? When we look at transactions, um, clearly organizational structure um, and design and, and governance itself does play a, a very important role. I think it's something that companies should be conscious of on an ongoing basis and, and not do merely just in advance of a transaction because it needs to be for the benefit of the company itself. Now, if, if we look at most of the situations that we're involved in, um, we're often supporting a business to take its first step out of private ownership, whether that be owned by a group of of colleagues or whether that be a family business. And I think our sense is here that we acknowledge that businesses aren't perfectly formed. So you don't need um, every single uh, document and every piece of compliance in place. But what's really important is that you're transparent about what exists and, and what doesn't because by being transparent and and supporting the private equity house to really understand where your business is at today means that they can enter that partnership and the investment with their eyes open and really help you to drive improvements in areas where there are gaps. So 
I guess the, the key piece of advice that I would give um, if you are thinking about a, a transaction, and this probably goes a bit wider than the governance question, is just be conscious that the process does take a lot of time. So the preparation well in advance of an exit or some form of partnership with a private equity house is, is very important because they will do um, commercial market-led diligence. Um, they'll do financial-led diligence where they'll review um, books and records. Uh, the same with tax and the same with legal. And by aligning yourself to a, a good advisor, they will help you put in place what you need to to get through that process. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't happen quickly. Got it. And I know it, it may be a bit of a how long is a piece of string question, but typically how long does that process take? So again, if families are looking at it as, right, we have this opportunity and, and we're going to start this process, how long should they be um, considering that process to be taking? I would say um, a minimum of 12 months in advance of a, a potential event. Um, clearly, if you're starting to think about that earlier, then that can only be beneficial because it means that you're thinking about your long-term strategic plan and you're, you're building in um, taking equity as, as part of delivering on that. I think the key point to remember is that the business will exist long beyond private equity's involvement. So mm-hmm. you need to be planning not just 12 months ahead, but as far ahead as you can manage. Yeah, and I think, again, that's a really valid point for those that might be thinking that the the synergy between private equity and the long-term view of family businesses, that there is that viewpoint within private equity that this is a long-term business strategy. It just, we might be involved for this period of time to help you get to that point where you can diversify further or whatever it is that you want to do with the, the family business. You're not giving up that long-term view because you're utilizing private equity investment is just a way of helping you get to um, the growth goals and ambitions that you have as a business owner right exactly and i think on that on that governance point i mean the key thing we haven't talked about is is succession and actually one of the reasons that businesses sometimes choose to work with private equity is because they need support with that so when you think about the the, the governance piece specifically there may well be a situation whereby um, you have a, I mean, I saw a, saw a situation recently, you had a business which was a, a manufacturing business in the food space. Um, it had been led by the, the CEO and uh, MD of the business, who was the father. And there was the son who was, uh, I think, a, a managing director. Now, as part of the transaction, he was effectively trying to create a situation where he could de-risk his personal position um, elevate his son into the CEO role and provide his son with an equity package to allow him to go and deliver the growth of the company. Now, it often needs a private equity house to actually do that because they're the company that provide the liquidity to facilitate that transaction to unlock that succession journey. And then by having a, an experienced investor um, like ourselves who, who have operational management experience, we can then support in a very hands-on way with someone who's perhaps a little less experienced. So it is worth thinking about um, the private equity journey um, with respect to any of the business challenges that you're thinking about, because what you might find is that private equity can help you find a solution for most of those. Where can our audience find out a little bit more about you, about 
Waterland um, and uh, get in touch if they want to have a chat about uh, what we've discussed today. So I think what I would say um, in the first instance is feel free to get in touch directly. Um, so my email address is dgraham at waterlandpe.co.uk. Um, but you can also find information on our website as well. Um, we're always happy to speak to any businesses, um, even if there isn't an immediate opportunity, because we often find that the best conversations are those with businesses that aren't available for sale. Uh-huh. And actually through those conversations, we trigger an idea that we then go and explore together. Um, I'd really encourage people to, um, to take up trusted advice. I think for me, um, it's important that businesses do surround themselves with a very good independent financial advisor, an accountant, a legal advisor. And I think they will also help you through this thought process. So I'd encourage you to bounce ideas around. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's a lot of information in the public domain. Um, if you want to learn more about private equity, um, the British Venture Capital Association website has some really good uh, reports that are worth reading. Um, but then you can also go to the websites of, of private equity houses in the UK who all try and explain very clearly what they do and, and why they're different. Fantastic. And we will provide links to all of those in the show notes as well. So um, if you didn't catch that while you're listening, head over to the show notes and they will be listed there. Uh, Dominic, thank you very much indeed for your time and your insights. It's been a really interesting uh, and informative discussion. So I appreciate your time and expertise. Thank you, Russ. It's been a pleasure. Really good to speak to you. Thanks for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you found the show helpful, please consider leaving a review on iTunes and remember to subscribe to our newsletter. If what I've covered in the show resonates with what you are facing in your own family business, I can help. I provide consultancy support to family businesses of all sizes, so please get in touch if you'd like to know more. Head over to fanbizpodcast.com forward slash work with Russ. Until next time, take care.